Hey, great to be together again. By the way, happy Valentine's Day. Hey guys, there's still time. You can go out and get, and get a card here and uh, rescue yourself, right? All right, hey, we're spending the month of February together talking relationships. Can you relate? That's the question we're asking ourselves. And last week, we started by talking about the value of relationships and do we value them? And we asked, well, why does it matter anyway? Well, because, because God has created us as relational beings. He's a relational God. And so that's why for us as humans to know and be known, to love and be loved, is the longing of our hearts. It's because we're created in the image of God. And so if that's the case, our relationship with God is the, the primary relationship to pursue, but then we're called to value others. Paul says, look at what's out there. He says, count others more significant than yourselves. And so we, we, we took that challenge and said, wow, if we're going to look at relationships, do we, do we value them as priceless assets to us? So last week we said, wow, we, we're taking stock in our relational assets because these relationships we have with people are very, very valuable. In fact, I just read last week, I, I read an excerpt from, uh, from a book by Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T is his last name. And he wrote a, a well-known work called The Happiness Hypothesis, Putting Ancient Wisdom and Philosophy to the Test of Modern Science. You go, what? All right, you can listen to that title later. But he really got into this happiness research and what really makes us happy. Interesting thing from the book, he says this, having relationships strengthens the immune system. It extends life more than does quitting smoking, speeds recovery from surgery, and reduces the risks of depression and anxiety disorders. We need to interact and intertwine with others. We need the give and the take. We need to belong. So the valuing relationships are so, so important. So, so today we want to move into the need uh, for understanding. <laughs> when we bring up the whole topic of relationships, we go, oh, it's so confusing. It is two porcupines in winter, February. They're driven together by the cold, but they're met by a very painful embrace. Boy, isn't that the picture of us in relationships? And so how do you do this? That's going to be the question we ask ourselves today. So to start, uh, let's just start from this basic starting point, right? We can say up front this. We all agree that all we need is love. We can all agree that all we need is love. That's the mantra. That's what's said. It's on the protest signs, love, not hate. It's in all of the love songs. All you need is love. Don't start singing, right? But you know, once we get a committee together and say, what do we need? The solution is love. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Is the meeting over? Something tells us, something makes us hesitate and wonder, wait a second, maybe there's 
something more that we need. A young couple comes and they're, they want to get married and they're both 18 and they don't have a job. But they say, we're just going to live on love. <laughs> All we need is love. And you think, okay, look, that's a good start, but I think there's a little more we need to live on than love. So this is where we want to go today. We want to go into that space, all right? So that's what the need for understanding is all about in our personal lives, our love and relational life. So we're going to start out this way. First of all, uh, we need to understand we need the ability to love, all right? We need the ability to love. Turn your Bibles, hopefully you got access to one, or we'll have the verses on the screen. But in 1 John chapter 4, um, he's talking about love. Listen carefully to what he says. Two verses, 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So let's trace John's line of thinking. He starts by saying God is love. Love comes from God. He is the source of love. And then he says those people who are born of God or know God have this supernatural ability to love. See, those who are born of God or know God are the ones that have a relationship with God that has been reconciled. We talk about this a lot, but it means we, we start, we're not in, in an intimate relationship with God. We don't know God. We haven't been reconciled with Him until we turn from our sin, acknowledge our sin, and then embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, the one who paid for our sin, and then the scriptures tell us, God says we become reconciled with God, or we're born of God, now we know God, and God actually lives in us, and we're at peace with God. And so John says it's these people who know God and are born of God who have this supernatural ability to love, because God lives in them. So the Olympics are coming this summer in Tokyo. It's the 2020 Olympics in 2021. It's a crazy time, isn't it? So what if I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go out for the Olympic team. I'd like to be an Olympic athlete, and man, I commit myself to it. I am diligent, and I'm going to pour everything I have into it because I want to be a discus thrower at the Olympics. Uh, guess what? Chances are I'm not going to make the team. I can get the best coach in the world to zero in on me, but that coach at some point is probably going, if he cares about me at all, is probably going to say in a very loving, non-gentle, non-judgmental way, listen, Dan, I want to tell you something. I can't put in what God has left out. I heard of a college basketball coach that told that to his players. Well, Jesus said something interesting to his disciples in John chapter 13. He says, here's the commandment that I give to you, that you love one another. And then Jesus said, as I have loved you, you should love one another. 
By this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Well, Jesus is saying to his disciples, you love one another like I have loved you. Oh my goodness, so how, how am I going to love other people like Jesus did unless I have Jesus in me? See, that's what John is saying and what Jesus is pointing to. Now look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that only Christians can show love or act in loving ways. I'm not saying that. But we need to understand something about relationships. A person can bring their, their best intentions. A person can bring their best efforts to a relationship. But they're going to start out with significant disadvantages and they're going to run in to some very unique challenges if you try to do love and relationships without God and without Him and His love in your hearts. So the first thing we look at is, boy, what do we need? Well, all we need is love. Wait a minute. We also need the ability to love. And there's more. Let's look at this. I think secondly then, we need to know how to love. We need to know how to love. I remember, I got married, I remember my wedding day well. It was here at Grace and um, I made a vow and I was serious. I told Holly that I was gonna love her to the death and I meant it. But guess what I came to quickly realize shortly after my wedding day? I didn't know how to love a woman to the death. 1 Peter chapter 3 taps into this when he says, Listen, husbands, love your wives in an understanding way. In other words, according to knowledge. So he didn't just say, love your wives. Hey, you need to know how to love your wives. I've talked with different men and women, it's not it, both, uh, over the years as a pastor. And I've had them tell me, look me in the eye after a series of broken and painful relationships. It's usually in midlife and they're going, man, and they look at me with sadness in their eyes and they say, Dan, I guess I just don't know how to pick them. So really we need to know how to love, right? And, and the Apostle Paul must have thought there were some people in a church in Philippi who needed to know how to love. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. I'll read it to you. Paul is praying for this church, and his prayer is so insightful if you want to understand relationships. His prayer in, in Philippians 1.9, Paul says this. Listen carefully. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. See, Paul was going, love each other well, more and more, but you need to know how with knowledge and all discernment. Uh, a guy named D.A. Carson, a theologian writing about Paul's prayer, he says this. 
He said, Paul does not pray that their love might abound more and more in ignorance and insensitivity or in stupidity and hammer-fistedness. He didn't pray their love would abound more and more in cheap sentimentality and myopic nostalgia. No, he prays that their love might abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. See, Paul was tapped into their need for understanding how do I love? See, we, we, we all agree and we come together. All we need is love. But, but have you noticed what happens when everybody then charges out of the meeting and actually starts loving each other? What tends to happen is that's when all the disagreements start. All we need is love. And then we actually start doing it and we've got all these clashes and disagreements. Think about it. The reason is we're people, I think, who we want to be free. We want to be autonomous. We say to ourselves, all we need is love, but I have the right to define love and relationships the way I think it's best for me. And as long as I don't harm other people, that's the guidelines. That's when we go out to actually love people, I'm going to define it the way I think is right and wrong and best, just as long as I don't harm other people. But have you stepped back and watched how that's working in our culture these days? It's not working well. Because here's what happens. We realize that in our real relational lives with real people, that there are real differences when it comes to what it means to love somebody and whether or not how you're loving them is harmful. Let me give you an example. A mom says she loves her son but she's slipping him money to support his drug habit. Why are you doing that? He says he needs it, and I love him. Well, the people around that mom say, wait a second, you need to do tough love. You're actually enabling him in a way that is harming him. What's happening? Well, different definitions of how to love are clashing. Or grandpa comes to his granddaughter and says he loves her. And she's confused by that because of his sexual advances. This is, this is really important. We, we, we got to get into this. You know, how do you love? What, what is true love? What does love mean? look like? We talk about loving other people well. Okay, what, what does that look like? How does that look? Because I think if we step back and look at our own relational life experiences, it tells us that there really are good and bad ways to love. There are wise and unwise ways to love parents with children. And we would even say, you know, there's probably right and wrong ways to love and to relate to one another. So it's right in the middle of that that God 
shows up and he says, hey, I, I'd like to bring some clarity on love and relationships. And all the way through the scriptures, he defines love and he shows us what it looks like. The steadfast love of the Lord shows up all the way through the Bible and you can watch. Well, this is what it looks like. Here's what love really looks like. Here's how it acts toward one another. In fact, at weddings, it's, it's very, very common to read a famous passage in 1 Corinthians. You know why? Because they want to clarify at their wedding, what does love really look like? Let's define it. It can't be that everybody just comes up with their own way to love. That's not working. And so we read passages like this. Here you go. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. So love is not selfish. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not, it, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. You know, I, I really think, you know, think about this with me. This is so important. I, I really think there's a, a, a very significant felt need to know how to love. I, I think it comes up sometimes in church. At church, we gather around as believers and we read the commandment in Scripture, the call to obey Jesus, love your neighbor. We even have in our grace mission statement, right? We love God and we, we love others. And we say this love inspires everything we do and we challenge each other to, to love people well. But I think there's sometimes, and maybe you sense it, you come away from that and it feels oppressive to you. It's guilt-producing. You leave feeling defeated. Oh, I got to love, I got to love. Listen, I want you to think about this. It may not be that you don't love your neighbor. It may not be that you don't love your spouse or you, you don't love the people in the community. It may not be that you don't love the other people in, in the church. It may be that you're actually a child of God. And God's love is born in your heart, and you do love these people. It's just you don't know how. They don't know how. And, 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 the, and so it's frustrating. Love, love, I know, I want, I just don't know how. And so Paul's prayer, I think, is so precious when he prays in Philippians 1, that their love would abound more and more. Yes, love one another well. With knowledge and discernment, we need this knowledge and discernment and understanding. You know, a guy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, is well-known, is someone who wrote on the topic of discipleship and also community, or what we would call groups. He says this about Christian community and experiencing it. Very powerful. Listen to what he says. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more then they love the Christian community itself, become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. Do you hear what he's saying? 
He's basically saying this, look, we all dream of being a loving Christian community and a loving church, but we need to know how to actually love the people that we're in community with and living among. And if we don't learn how, then we will end up just beating each other up with our dream of loving other people well. It's really important. We need to know how to love. So where, where are we going to get that kind of wisdom and understanding and insight from God? One last word. Stick with me. This is important. The last thing is we need to seek the source of wisdom and understanding in relationships. Here's the question. Think about this. So all we need is love. Well, we, the ability to love, and we need to know how to love. So here's the question. Who really knows how to love? Who really knows how? Who do you know? Who's out there? Who really knows how to love when it comes to love and relationships? There's plenty of voices that claim to be the authority on wisdom. I'd like to take you to Proverbs. Turn to the book of Proverbs, Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 1. Listen very carefully to these words. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Boy, there's topics everybody's interested in relationships. Righteousness, justice. How do we do this as a community? Equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Do you hear what Solomon is saying? Maybe you've heard the phrase, boy, that situation will take the wisdom of Solomon. Well, here it is. Here's the wisdom of Solomon right here in Proverbs. And you know where Solomon got it? He got it from God. When he became king, this was his plea. God, you have to give me wisdom and discernment and understanding so I know how to lead these people. In the book of James, the first chapter, verse 5, says, Man, you're in lots of trials and conflict. What do you do? It says in James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Let him ask God, who gives it to us generously. God, you have to understand the God of the universe, who's, He is the source of all wisdom and understanding. That's why Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning. In other words, to honor, respect, and, and awe. Wow, God knows what He's talking about, relationships. But then it says, fools despise this. See, the fool says, no, I know how to love a woman. Okay, right? God is the ultimate relational coach. Do you see him that way? He's the coach everybody wants. He's the best relational coach on marriage, family, friends. 
how to handle differences generationally, how to handle different points of view, different cultures, different races. How are we going to make this thing work relationally? Even different political positions. How can you do that? Hey, can I recommend the best book that I have ever read, and I've read a lot of them on love and relationships, the best book I've ever read on it. You ready? Write it down. It's a book called Proverbs. It's by King Solomon. It's a great book in your Old Testament, and there's 31 chapters, which means every month you can put a chapter to the day of the month and just read through it. And if you do that for a year, 12 times you'll go through this incredible book on love and relationships, and I guarantee you it will radically transform your relational life and infuse you with wisdom and knowledge and understanding from God. I'm just going to give you a couple samples as we kind of wrap it up. You say, well, what's in Proverbs? These are kind of teasers. We're going to tweet. These are tweets from King Solomon, okay, about relationships. I'm just going to read quotes from the book of Proverbs. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. You ever been in a heated conversation? There's some words of wisdom. Here's one. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Boy, you ever seen two people? They're just talking over each other. Nobody's listening. Everybody's just preparing what they're going to say next. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And Solomon says, stop. you got to learn to listen first. If you start giving answers before you listen, it, it, is, it is to your shame. Here's one. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Boy, if you're going to move into your relational life with your spouse, your kids, the people at work, or anything, you have to understand that the sovereign God uses all the relationships in your life as a primary tool in your and my sanctification process. See, God's at work in our lives as believers to make, him, make us more like Christ and to enjoy Him more. Well, how does that work? Well, God sends all these people into your life to sharpen you, <laughs> knock the edges off. Do you understand that and see, God, what are you doing through these relationships? Here's some others. It's, it's uh, in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. So many times people, when they talk about their relational lives, they're afraid to talk to somebody else. They're embarrassed. Hey, you need to humble yourself and get some good godly counsel. Here's a couple I'll rattle off. It's Valentine's Day, okay? Here we go. Quotes from, tweets from King Solomon in Proverbs. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. All right? I see all you ladies poking your head. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Here's one. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Now, some of you guys just fell off the couch. Wait a minute, what's that book he's quoting from? I'm going to write that down. Listen, God speaks into all aspects of our lives, our sexual lives, our relational lives, our married lives, our lives with our friends, relationships. Listen, we need to seek the source of wisdom and understanding. It's right here. 
It's right here. You ever wondered why you say, yeah, Dan, I know that. You know, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Would you ever step back and wonder, you know, why is it that God tends to be way down our call list when we're looking for advice on love and relationships? Why is that? You know what I think? I don't know. It might be different for you. But I, I think it's because it's hard to hear from God over all the other voices that are shouting at us about love and relationships. We go through our day and through the movies we watch, through the music we listen to, for the social media feeds that we follow, the reality TV shows we're entertained with, and our friends, we're constantly getting barraged with advice and wisdom and voices about love and relationships. You know, if you're going to hear from God, you're going to have to make a radical and intentional decision to say, stop and block out all the voices and get quiet with God. And then open up the Bible and say, God, I want to seek you, the source of wisdom. Please speak to me about my relational life. And God will, and the reward is incredible. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 2 as we wrap it up. Proverbs 2 verse 1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, listen, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it, like silver, if you search for it as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord loves wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. Where do you go? Who do you respect and have to hear from and listen to when it comes to your relational life? So happy Valentine's Day. Would you like to know how to keep it happy? <laughs> well, we all agree all we need is a little more love, right? Yeah, when you think about it, I think we need something else. We need the ability to love. Wow, what if we had the supernatural ability to love? Have you ever come to God and say, God, forgive me. I, I need to be born of you. I, I need you in my life and your love in my heart. But then we recognize that we need to know how. Boy, pray Paul's prayer that our love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And that will drive us, won't it? It'll drive us to seek the source of all wisdom, and knowledge, and discernment, and understanding that we find from God in His Word. Boy, if you want to talk about these things, please, you can click right now. You're watching. You can click the prayer button. Um, there are people right now online that would love to talk with you and pray with you. 
Um, if you'd like to text us, text the word Jesus to the number on the screen. We would love to pick up conversations with you about these things. It's very important. Let me pray. Jesus, help us. Pray that we you would uh, bless us. We need your wisdom. We need the ability to love. We need your love in our hearts. And then we need to know how. God, we just don't know how to love each other. And I pray that we would seek you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.